Thanks for tuning in to Real Original. My name's Dave. Hey, I'm Carly. And I'm Dylan. And today we're going to be discussing Set It Up. This is a very exciting episode of the podcast because this is the first movie that I did not select. Every other movie that we've talked about so far has been a Dave selection. And this one was selected by Ms. Carly. Uh, yeah, because I feel like, you know, I feel like rom-coms are unappreciated, especially by our host David here. And um, I'm going to change his mind. I'm definitely trying to breach into the subject here and see if I can understand the genre and learn to appreciate it. I even have another one scheduled for the future, but now I'll have something to compare it against. I'm very excited about that. You know, I think this is a good, this is a good first rom-com for you. It's a, you know, it's set in modern day, so you don't have all the like old things to worry about, but I think it's, it's good. It's classic. Can we get any hints? About the, what's, yeah, what's, can we get a hint about the next rom-com you're going to watch? The next rom-com, spoiler alert, is, I believe it's called Kate and Leopold. I have actually never seen that, but you. I've never seen it either. It's because you like uh, Hugh Jackman, isn't it? Yeah, I like Hugh Jackman. Um, When he was in town last time in Columbus, I got to see him perform live on stage and it was absolutely breathtaking. He did songs from Le Mis. Uh, He had like Aboriginal Australian people on stage playing the uh, the didgeridoo. It was just a marvelous experience. I like Hugh Jackman. That sounds about right. Did he ever take his shirt off? <laughs> you know, I don't think that he did, but he, he he was flexing quite a bit on stage. And, and there were videos of him taking his shirt off that played quite a bit. <laughs> there were like clips of him being Wolverine. Oh, okay. okay. All right. well, as he famously knew. Yeah, you know, Wolverine was a hurt Frenchman. (laughs) Wasn't he Canadian? Oh, I don't know. I miss it's too sad for me. That's why I watch rom-coms. Speaking of rom-coms and speaking of set it up, Carly, I think since you picked the movie, I think you should give a a synopsis over what this movie was. Give us a description about what happened in this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the gist is the two main protagonists. uh, They're basically two assistants that work for two super high, strong, powerful people. And it kind of just goes into partly like the work culture of like assistants have no free time and um, are controlled by their bosses, things like that. And basically they work to set up their bosses to go on dates and fall in love so they can actually get some free time. And hey, shocker along the way, they end up falling in love with each other. So, you know, pretty cool. Was it a shocker? You know, David, these kind of comments, um, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. All right. It's all good. (laughs) It's nice knowing. Okay. Here's the general gist of why I like rom-coms. It's nice knowing that everything's going to turn out. Okay. You know, it's sometimes nice to have that. I don't want to be fretting the whole time about a movie that someone's going to die sometimes or that like the animal in the movie is going to die. It's sometimes nice to know, hey, hey, no matter what's going on in the middle of the movie, at the end of the movie, I know it's going to end up how I want it to end up. And that's comforting. I like it. Dylan, do you feel the same way? I mean... He likes sad movies. Yeah, I I, I always enjoy a good morose story Ugh. that ends with, uh, you know, maybe some tears here and there. But you know, I also love love. And so when things work out, that's always, that's fun. Well, this movie had some good parts. It had some bad parts in it. 
some of the characters hit, some of the characters missed. I think I'd have to say my favorite part in this whole movie, the part that I enjoyed the most, was seeing the credits roll because the movie was over. <laughs> That's a that hot hurts take. Me. That hurts me. You didn't, you didn't laugh at all. Like that's why I like about rom coms. There's funny moments too. It's not just like looking deep into each other's eyes as like orchestra music plays, and just like a regular romantic movie. There's some lightheartedness. There's some laughs. Did you have any laughs? I think I laughed once, and I don't that's, remember what the joke was. No, you laughed more than once. <laughs> or did you at least think about laughing? Were you like, oh, that was a joke that I would laugh at yeah, in a you, different movie? Did you exhale through your nose at all? Like, I exhaled through my nose distastefully. It was never a half laugh. It was more like, <laughs> are they really doing this? You didn't like Creepy Tim that works the elevators? Did you not like okay. him? Okay, this is a great part to bring up because I was hoping we would we would talk about Creepy Tim. And Creepy Tim is coded in a way that I found to be very, very like late 1990s. He's coded with all this like homosexual laugh at the gay guy stuff. He's very like fey and weird and he you know lives in a lightless basement and he loves killing plants. And the whole thing is just like weirdly offensive in, a, in an outdated way. It was like watching an old James Bond movie and seeing how James Bond treats women. And you can kind of look past that in these 1960s James Bond movies because the times were so different and the movies are actually high quality and enjoyable other than those things. But this one, Creepy Tim, I was like, what is this? Are we like seriously making fun of gay people right now? Now, while I do agree with you, I will play devil's advocate. Um, well, I, I don't ever remember them bringing up his sexuality. They don't, but he's he's coded that way. Like, he has that kind of fey lisp to his voice, and just the way he carries himself. Like, they don't outrightly say that he is gay, but they are using the language, the cinematic language. I get what you're saying. I kind of feel like they almost did that on purpose, because, I don't know, part of this movie is they use kind of like traditional rom-com tropes mm-hmm. to like get them, their bosses together. So like getting them stuck in that elevator. And like, there's a scene at a baseball stadium and a kiss cam. So I feel like I didn't super, I know what you're saying. Like I didn't feel that way, but I can see where if they did set up like that, they did it kind of in a way to, as a callback to kind of those, that's what you would have expected from a rom-com in the nineties or early two thousands which was like the height of rom-coms, I feel like, because that was kind of a lot of the whole movie was calling back to those, I feel like. So I get where if you felt that way, it'd be bad, but I kind of understand if they were using it as a callback, why they did that. That's fair too. Speaking of Creepy Tim getting the uh, the rich people stuck in the elevator um, and laughing at this, you asked if I laughed at the jokes in this movie. They missed such a good opportunity to make a joke about the Aerosmith song, Love in an Elevator. So throughout that whole scene, I was thinking to myself, they have to make a love in an elevator joke, right? Like that they just have to, that's like a rule. And so I didn't laugh at any part in that scene because I felt like I was thinking of funnier jokes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest. These, okay. These movies are definitely more set to my demographic as like a mid twenties female. And I'm going to be honest, I definitely, like, know of that song, but, like, I'd even once that didn't enter my mind at all with an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> so, to be honest, they're probably playing towards me and what that would be 
and not thinking about Aerosmith with a mid-twenties girl, to be 100% honest. So you're saying this movie might not, this movie about finding love might not be for a 30-year-old jaded single guy? Um, um, You can love love. Dylan loves love. Yeah, love is for everybody. Love is for everybody. But traditionally, they are, you know, a little more my cup of tea. But, you know, did you leave the movie feeling hopeful at all? Hopeful? No. (laughs) No. All right. Well, it makes me feel hopeful. I'm glad that it makes you feel hopeful. I'm genuinely glad at that. And I really hope that my bashing of this movie doesn't prevent anybody else from selecting a movie ever. You don't get it. I knew after we saw Dirty Dancing that you just don't get it. Not that this is about Dirty Dancing. You mean Pedophile the movie? It's not Pedophile the movie. It's a classic. People love it. We won't get into it. Everyone loves Dirty Dancing. People, it's referenced in other movies and like Crazy Stupid Love that everyone wants to be able to do the like lifting a person over the head like dirty dancing yeah but it's easy to lift a 13 year old girl over your head i mean come on she's not 13 <laughs> i mean her nickname is baby that everyone's called baby yeah but they this don't throw about, this isn't about this this is about set it up all right which is much better in terms of better <laughs> modern day pedophilia yeah okay it's not pedophilia <laughs> But I I don't know. This movie I think is pretty good with some stuff like nowadays, especially compared to like I don't know other movies and rom coms from like the nineties and the two thousands. Like one of my favorite parts is the main girl character Harper. Her roommate like has slept with a bunch of dudes, and it's totally fine. There's like no slut shaming, anything like that, and that's pretty cool. Like that is not something you see at all, even a non rom com movie, and like. A more intense movie there'd be stuff like that yeah and so you know there's stuff like that that's really good in this that's not traditionally that they would have to add in a movie like this which is i think good yeah i can definitely see where you're coming from there did you guys know that the two most famous people in this movie lucy Liu and tay diggs at least they're the most famous to me i don't know i don't even know anybody else that's in this movie to be honest no but i think that's like kind of netflix's thing i feel like oh pete davidson Playing Duncan, uh, Charlie Young's roommate. Oh, the other the other gay guy that likes to talk about how his friends learned they were gay while they were fucking a woman. Well, I don't know. I do you know how you do? You can just be sure in that. I don't know. I thought he was pretty. He didn't have like the judicial. He didn't have the lisp or anything. No, but he, but every other line was him talking about how much he loves dicks and looking at dicks. No. He had no characterization other than wanting dicks in his body. It was a little over. Uh, pretty much every other scene of his was him sleeping with some dude, which is totally fine. But there but wasn't any slut shaming, even for him. That's true. You know? That is so true. It's very good. progressive. It's very progressive in that sense. I don't know about progressive on this one, but <laughs> it was, it was, you could say it was a lot to take in. But, you know, I don't know. It could be, you know, I'm not expecting these movies to make grand statements so yeah they don't have to make grand statements but at the same time it just rubbed me the wrong way i was like mm, this is weird to watch no i get that i feel like you're gonna find a lot of that probably with kate leopold it's from like 2000 it's hugh jackman i imagine it's flawless <laughs> and is the other lead meg ryan i think it might be but this is got Liz- well. this is got lucy Lou and tay diggs you were talking about them earlier what's yeah did you, you guys like- know that they were both in chicago no i've never actually seen that Oh, Chicago's great. Lucy Liu is a 
powerful woman, so I can imagine that. Tay Diggs is a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. They do kind of make the perfect couple. Like, I, I wish the movie would have actually married them and then shown their children from the future. Oh, because, like, their children would, like, be reciting, like, French to you at, like, three. It would be. Yeah. But that was the other thing, too, which is, like, again, this movie's got flaws. But, like, Lucy Liu was, like, owner of her own business, take charge, like, was completely fine with that. And in, like, a lot of rom-coms, it's a lot of, I don't know, feel like the dude fixes the problems for the woman and makes her change. But in this one, she was take charge and wasn't going to let a guy change that or not like that about her. So that was a good thing, I thought. I will bump in there, um, ask how you felt about the fact that they made a pretty big deal about her replacing having a baby with owning her own business. Yeah, I understand that. I feel like that has a lot to do with, because there's a scene where throughout the, throughout the movie, she's talking about how she's not accepting all these invitations, like people's weddings and baby showers and things like that. And when she does get together with Tay Diggs, she finally goes to one of these and she talks about how she finally, they finally want to talk to her about something. I don't know. I think, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that's, just being realistic because I I don't know as a female especially like mid-20s after that I feel like that's the question everyone's asking you me and Dylan are I'm constantly asked when we're gonna get married and then after that it's gonna be like babies so I think that's just actually talking about (laughs) societal (laughs) like that's not I think they're saying there's a flaw in that being like she doesn't go to these things because they don't want to talk to her about anything else and now finally that she has a fiance or like a boyfriend finally has something to talk to her about how old was she in this movie, Lucy Liu? She looks the same as when she was 19, so I couldn't get a read on how old she was supposed to be in the movie. I love that. Um, I feel like they would both probably be like late 30s, 40s. I mean, that's how it would read to me. Are you asking about like Lucy Liu's age or her character's age? Her character's age. Lucy Liu is timeless. It's <laughs> <laughs> the right how answer. How old is she? Oh, she's 51? She's beautiful. I'm telling you, like, she could still be in Charlie's Angels as yeah. that young, you know, ass-kicking gal. And it, it she could pull it off. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be, like, I don't know. If she's really starting to, like, get that biological clock, I feel like for women, that's, like, late 30s, 40s, when they really, it gets serious. So that's what I was, that's what I figured they were trying to have her play as. It was just oh. kind of odd, because they were, they were doing that. Hey, when are you having a baby? When are you having a baby thing? And I was like, wait, how old is she? She like has her own business and she's like this hyper well-known journalist. No. Yeah. How, how am I supposed to interpret this? I know. But I think that's, I think that's like something that I 100% understood that. Like, I feel like people already are, I don't know. They are, they're fine with a dude having a kid at 40, but a woman they're like, well, you're going to be this age when they graduate high school and stuff like that. There's a totally different expectation. And so, I don't know. And that's probably why, again, this is this is made for more my demographic. So <laughs> stuff like that, where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I could be a strong, powerful woman. I don't need to have a baby. Don't ask me that question kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I watched this alone on my couch drinking a beer, sadly. <laughs> so I don't have that perspective. Well, it's it's a it's a good perspective. It's exciting. I believe it. From my point of view. Uh, can we go back to the fact that you didn't really laugh at it? You didn't find the uh, awkward humor that's so popular with our generation funny? The stumbling over sentences, the natural sort of jokes. That's not for you. It's not for me. I, so, 
another curtain into what I like in a movie. Comedies in general are really, really tough sell for me. It takes a lot for a movie to actually make me laugh. I'm, I don't know if I'm a comedy prude or if I'm just too jaded to laugh anymore. You're too smart. You see the punchlines coming. Okay. Okay. Suck up. Um, no, like it's just the idea of like scripted comedy, people writing a script with the goal of making me laugh and then doing 50 takes and combining their takes and adding in CGI and then putting the final product on the screen. It just doesn't make me laugh anymore. I, I don't know what it is. Like there are movies that make me laugh. One of my favorite comedies is called FDR American Badass. <laughs> and it's all about FDR getting a souped up wheelchair with machine guns and flamethrowers and going after Nazi werewolves. <laughs> and I laugh my ass off every time I watch it. So you like the extravagant scenarios. You're not a, oh, that's a real life thing I run into. The coffee pot, you know, I also can't get the printer to work kind of office humor kind of thing. That's not your jam. You want. Not quite my jam. All right. All right. Especially with characters that don't always feel like real people. I get that. I mean, I don't know. See this again, this is a, this read more real to me and it might just be. I'm like the same age as them, mm-hmm. but I don't know. This didn't feel like out of the realm of possibility for me. And so maybe that's why I feel like it's also, there's a lot of rom-coms that are set in high school. And so like maybe in high school, I like those more, but now it just, now it just reads super weird to me. I'm like, wait, that is all, not at all what that experience was, but this, you know, like I could see their different office environments being real. Like one of them works in like a, wall street-esque high intensity one and one works at a like everyone's wearing like sneakers and a sweatshirt right and that that seemed pretty real to me yeah definitely i was a little surprised that they kept both offices focused on the desk outside of the executive's room like if you think about it both offices basically just had one space film they didn't introduce any other characters in the office or or walk around at all it was weird yeah, that is true. I feel like maybe it was partly to do the fact that, like, the assistant is always just right at that desk and isn't going out anywhere else. They're, like, glued to right next to their boss is what I would think they did that for. Or just a budget thing. They don't want to film a Which bunch of extras. I will say that that does fit in with uh, Charlie's character, who wants to be part of the rest of the business, but never gets the opportunity because he has to be glued to his desk. Charlie. Charlie and Harper. <laughs> I'll give you the name Harper. They're definitely, I don't know. It's a very like trendy name. It doesn't read this, the most real name to me. That's the name that's in like books and movies and TV. So you don't run into a Harper everywhere. So here's a hot take on Harper that I, I'm not sure if this is going to be controversial in any way, but Harper, the character with her name and how she looked in the movie I kept like feeling like the movie was about to stray into like a porn script because (laughs) she's, her name's Harper, which sounds like a porn name to me. Sorry, Eddie Harper out there. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. But like, you know, it's, it's so easy to make a guy look business friendly. You put him in a suit and you're done. But with women, there's like a, it's a more, much more complex game. And she always just kind of felt like she was wearing clothes that you would see like in a porn movie. And I'm like, what's happening here? Yeah. See, I don't think she did. <laughs> I don't know. She like, I don't know. She wore like cute dresses and skirts, which I guess for some people reads sexier. But like, 
I would dress as a skirt and I think we feel cute, not necessarily like sexy, you know, porn music. But that could just be just what your different expectation is with that. But like her hair was often like just tussled up in just the right way. And she like pushed up her glasses all cute every 14 seconds. I'm like, <laughs> it's because she's not worried about how she looks 24 seven. This isn't the fifties. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's just the, she looked very like trendy to me. I feel like that's just what the look is now. It's like very tousled kind of like bedhead esque hair and like romance mm-hmm. is that. But if it's trendy, maybe it's in the pornos that are coming out now. I don't know. Maybe that. I don't keep up on porno news, so I don't know what's hot, you know? Even in quarantine? What the hell do you do with your time? You know, I watch rom-coms because I'm a lady. (laughs) (laughs) Which hot take porn for women. I mean, that's not wrong, you know? I'd rather watch this than like banging i don't know what the, the <laughs> word for <that> but yeah i mean this is it's just like it's surreal fantasy none of it's super real you have sometimes they have arguments but not really it is a very rose tinted glasses of love and stuff like that but i don't know i think like everything like i don't i don't think it sets a bad expectation i think that's saying that then that if you play like violent video games you're gonna be violent right like i don't think there's a lot of people that believe that, Carly, so you might have to be careful there. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of Republicans out there believe that to be true. I mean, yeah, but again, they're wrong, and they think that I can't be anything but a baby maker and stuff. That's a different point. Back to back to my defense of rom-coms. I did look this up. Dylan looked this up. It's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw that. I, I, I did see that. I can't believe there was... That's pretty good. You know, sometimes there must have been like a like an oxygen leak in the movie theaters when this came out or something, and people were just not in their right mindset. It's enough. See, they saw it at home. I will give you. I will give you. It may have done a high thing because rom coms have been dying. They're not coming out as much. So when this came out, it was very exciting. Not that I go to rom com message boards, but if I did, I imagine there would be a lot of excitement because a new one came out. Because again. Like Haley pulled, they're all from like the 90s and early 2000s. So that could have skewed it, but it's still good. A little bit of nostalgia, you're saying? Yeah. And just like, I don't know, you don't, you just don't see these anymore. Like there's no, it's either like a billion dollar like Marvel movie or like an indie film. I feel like you don't have like a, I don't know how much budget this be, but it can't be a lot of budget. There's not like CGI and all that other stuff. You don't see a movie that's like this budget anymore. And so yeah. they're just not made anymore. And so, but there's like, you're actually totally right about that. I think that's really good insight because the, the mid market movie is dying and that trend is really, really sad. Like horror movies are so different now than what they were just in like the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Um, their budgets are just wildly different. Which is uh, just, so, and yeah. it's just so odd to me too. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if this came out in theaters, like this would be a great like date movie, right? So wouldn't this make the money back? Like I guess I w- I don't see that it being a hard sell. So I don't really understand why they would make them. And I think it it was got a huge when it came out in Netflix like a year or two ago. I people were talking about it online because like it was exciting. This was like something you could like sit down and put on, right? With like a Netflix and chill PG version, right? 
So <laughs> I guess I just don't understand why they why studios wouldn't make something like this. Granted, it's not everyone's demographic, but like there's a lot of my age girls out there and like women that would see it and drag their boyfriends along. Well, it kind of reminds me of the the situation that occurred in the video game industry where a bunch of video game executives decided all of a sudden that they said people do not crave single player games. They are not marketable. We're going to stop making them. And that happened. Virtually every video game that they made in like the mid 2000s to probably 2012 ish. I don't know, maybe that range. All of these games were multiplayer focused and none of them were extremely successful. Some of them were extremely successful, of course, but most of them couldn't measure up because they were so similar to each other. And then after that period, smaller studios started making single player games that were making crazy amounts of sales and just bringing home all the money in the world. And it was just this thing where the studios made up this rule that they said, this isn't in demand. And then they, they followed their own data and it was never, ever true. I wonder if that's the same kind of thing that's happening to rom-coms that's driving them out. Yeah. I mean, it could also be like with both of them, it could be that, you know, there was a saturation. They give us a few something oh. nostalgic about it and miss them. Right. Like maybe that is what it is. Maybe people weren't buying them, but then suddenly they weren't around anymore. And so when everyone, a new single player or a new rom-com. These have to be cheap to make. Like once you think of your two main characters, the script writes itself. Absolutely. And there's not that many, like, there's like only a few other extra people in the movie. There's the bosses. They each have a friend and then the friend's fiance. Like there's not that many characters in it. Like, I don't know. Just, I just want them to make more. (laughs) That's my feeling. Which I do think this one did. I think they released this and then Netflix released a whole slew of rom-coms afterwards, right? They did. That's the thing, though. Like, I don't know. A lot of the rom-coms they released after this were a couple centered around, like, teen, like, high school age. And so that is just, it's the same thing, and I still like them. But it is definitely, like, different and not, like, to adults. There's also just different... You have to like pick them up for their parents' house and stuff like that. It's a whole different feel. <laughs> well, there's that one on Netflix. I don't remember the name of it or the full story, but I do remember at some point the female lead starts to date Keanu Reeves as he's playing himself in the movie. Oh. I remember thinking that one looked funny. You're my backup or always be my maybe. It's always be my maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's always be my maybe. Yeah. Is that a, is that a rom com or is that a comedy? Yeah, no, that's a rom com. Cause like again, I think a rom-com, like, I think the main thing is about them. They eventually get together at the end. It's kind of about their relationship. And then it's just funny in the middle. I think that's what makes a rom-com. So, yeah. Well, Did you like, you, that one was funny to you? You liked that one? The commercial was. I haven't seen the movie. Oh. Well, maybe next time. Because, yeah, Keanu Reeves in it. Keanu Reeves supports rom-coms. I think that's what we should all remember, everybody. Everyone likes Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves likes rom-coms. We should support rom-coms. Keanu Reeves is America. He's America. And America wants more rom-coms. <laughs> I think John Wick 4 should be a rom-com. I think that'd be interesting. I also feel like I've said rom-com so much that my lips don't know what they're saying anymore when they try to make the noise. Yeah, but it's 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 a part of you now. That's the whole, <laughs> that's what you want. I don't know. It just, it makes you feel good. It makes it, I don't have to, I feel like I stress during movies. Like if there's an animal in a movie, it doesn't relax me. I'm stressed the whole time that that animal's going to die. A la John Wick. I feel like in a lot of movies, I'm stressed the whole time that the character I like is going to die. I'm not worried about that in a rom-com. And that's nice. It's like, 
<laughs> it's like the f- people f- flocked to the Food Network after 9-11, you know, because it was calming. It was soothing. I flocked to the rom-com. It's calming. It's soothing. It's good. <laughs> I understand the calming and soothing, but you can just turn on a lo-fi station to get that. When I turn on a movie, I just want to like have my expectations subverted. I want to enjoy a story. And every single scene from this movie, right when it started, I was like, I know exactly how this scene is going to play out. I could write the dialogue. Um, for example, there's the scene where they meet at Yankee Stadium to see a Yankees game. And the male lead of the film, Charlie, is shown on the street in a business suit. And he's looking for Harper. And I was like, oh, my God, she's going to make fun of him for being in a suit. They're going to get seats with their bosses close to each other. They're going to get on a kiss cam. They're ripping off of Fever Pitch. Have you guys seen Fever Pitch? I haven't seen that. But again, I think I think that's the reason of this scene. This scene is they're trying trying to set their bosses up. And what are of course, they're going to go from like a rom-com or a romantic movie. How do we set people up? We're going to do a meet cute like a meet cute in the movies like that. It's supposed to be exactly like another movie. Yeah. I will say even beyond that, I think it goes, I think, I think the selling point when they were pitching this to producers, their selling point was that they were going to play the meta game with a rom-com and a typical rom-com would just follow the bosses going into the kiss cam, getting locked in an elevator and all that. But then they pull it back a step and say, these people are doing this to them. It's obviously not going to work because it wasn't organic, but the whole time the actual rom-com was happening. So parts of it, I think, were intentionally cheesy. Because, yeah, again, if I, if I had to set people up, I would go exactly like, well, I know this scene from a movie, you know, because how else do you think about setting people up like that, you know? So you'd buy like $3,000 Yankees tickets? No, they already had them because they're high power executives. I would I would tell them to go on that certain day. <laughs> <laughs> I would maybe make friends with a with an elevator guy that likes succulents and plants. I could maybe do that. Also, he doesn't just kill at the end. It, it ends up back to creepy Tim. All right, let's let's get back to creepy Tim. At the end of the credit movie, he gets a lamp for his plants so they're not dying all the time. That's exciting for creepy Tim. That's good. I actually had questions about that. Is that how that works? Yeah. It's like a grow a, light? Yeah, that's like how they people grow weed. Yeah. Oh, I'm an innocent young man, Carly. I don't know anything about weed. <laughs> you watch FDR in a mega wheelchair, assumedly killing people. <laughs> I don't know if you can go use Oh, Nazi werewolves. They're werewolves. Oh, I'm sorry. So they're not people. Okay. They're, they're Nazis, first of all. So even if they were people, <laughs> nobody would care if they were killed. You guys have to watch this movie at some point. It is it is fantastic. Is this, okay, be 100% honest. Did you find this movie from Mystery Science Theater 3000? That's, I did not. Okay, because that's the type of movie they do. I found this movie because I was going to visit Barry Bostwick in the Wizard World Ohio Con uh, convention. And I wanted to have some things to get signed while he was there. And I didn't want to go the typical route. I didn't want to go Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's what everybody was going to go with. So I bought two movies that were kind of low budget films that he made. And I watched watched them and had him autograph them. And he was a very, very nice man. And FDR turned out to be one of my favorite comedies. I just want you to know what you're describing right now is basically your meet cue with him. Because you wouldn't want to be <laughs> the ordinary girl with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You'd want a more niche one because you're not the average girl. So the meat kits are everywhere. It's organic. I just want to point that out. 
I've never hated myself more for telling a story. <laughs> it's everywhere. Now that you've seen this, you're going to see it everywhere. I've opened your eyes. I can't Love go is- anywhere. I'm locked in my apartment. Love is all around you, even in your apartment. Tomorrow you're going to be looking out a window. Me. Two birds are going to land on your windowsill and you're going to see a little cartoon hot heart pop up above their head. <laughs> I hope it turns into Shrek where somebody starts singing and the birds pop. <laughs> Shrek's a, Shrek has romantic stuff in it, so that's fine. I'll give you that. It can turn into that. Okay, so this was obviously a romantic movie with Lucy Liu, but pop quiz. What is the most romantic relationship Lucy Liu has been in on screen? There's only one right answer. Um, Her friendship with the other girls in Charlie's Angels. No, no. Close. That's a good one. That's a good answer. That's actually a really impressive answer. But Thank it's not you. the answer I'm looking for. Dylan, do you have, can you hazard a guess? Uh, her secret affair with Charlie from Charlie's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for uh, Lucy Liu's guest appearance on Futurama, where she played the Lucy Liu robot. Do you guys remember that episode? I do remember yep, that. Yep. That's classically. <laughs> Ordered by Fry, right? <laughs> yeah. You're one sexy man, Philip J. Fry. <laughs> and she exudes that exactly how you expect her to be in this movie. <laughs> I'm a Futurama sucker, so anybody that guest stars on Futurama, I'm going to love. I wish Lucy Liu was in more movies. I feel like she doesn't get around that much anymore. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like she's probably got Boku amount of money. She's just yeah. living her life, right? But she did this, and so this was like, maybe, she, maybe we're going to see on more Netflix stuff. Because once you get in one Netflix thing, they love you. They put you in other stuff, usually. Yeah, that actually goes back to Creepy Tim, the elevator guy. He's, he's in, in uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe you'll end up loving this movie, because it brought Lucy Liu to Netflix. Oh, she makes an action movie. Yeah. Yeah, and in this one, she likes sports, kept on theme. Sports are action-y. Oh, speaking of the sports reference, there was a line in this movie that that struck me as being somewhat profound and interesting. When Harper's talking... Yeah, I know. I do have good things to say about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) When Harper is talking to Charlie, and she says something along the lines of, men don't want girls that like sports... Men want girls that go to sports with them and ask, who's that player? What just happened? Do you remember that speech? Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. And again, that's one of the things I think is especially written for like me. Cause I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like it's a whole thing where like, they just want like, like I'm not like other girls, like a boy girl, like a girl that hangs out with boys, but they do not want you to be better at them at things or actually know anything. They just don't want you to seem high maintenance or anything like that. Yeah, as a, as a guy that doesn't really care about sports, or I, I've never like seeked out a, a woman that that likes sports, uh, I, I heard that and I was like, oh my god, there are guys that do that, and I've never thought about that before. Yeah, no, I think if you wanna, I will give you this. If, the one thing about rom coms, you wanna like get what a woman deals with. I think they do talk about that in rom coms sometimes, because it is just about like usually a woman in her life and issues and stuff she deals with sometimes right a lot of it revolved about men obviously but to being honest a lot of issues women have revolve around men so you know romantic relationship or not so it's it's good to hear it sometimes it makes you feel like yeah i'm not the only one with that issue you know still not that you want me to talk about sports and not be good at them just as long as you're not better than me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just as long as you fill your role, Carly. Okay? Yeah, don't, exactly, exactly. Don't cross the line. Yeah, but it will give you, again, this movie, it does, it does show that it's set in modern times compared to other ones. The joke that they make on like Family Guy and stuff is that like, hey, I'm the man here. I'm here to solve all your problems. Yeah. This movie doesn't do that, right? Like they both have stuff they're dealing with, but like, and they help each other realize that, but it's not like, hey, dude here to the rescue, you know? Yeah, Harper was definitely the lead of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, I don't know. She like fulfilled that role. She didn't, I don't know, shy away. She was definitely, she was definitely the lead of her own movie. You know, you don't want to be the best friend in your movie. You want to be the lead of your movie. So I think she did that. Has she been in anything else that you guys have seen? The the actress that played Harper? No, she looks exactly like, uh, she looks like some actress though. I thought she looked like Natalie Portman. Natalie's a beautiful woman. But she looks like, uh, what's the actress with, like, the eyebrows? Not Amelia Clark, but... Actress with the eyebrows. Some actress has got, like, dark eyebrows. Zoe Deschanel? No. Cara Delevingne? No. Cara Delevingne's not a good actress. <laughs> That's my hot take Aww. right now. You, you think Cara Delevingne's a good actress? I think she has not proven herself as an actress. Thank you. But I also don't think she's been given a role that would have worked. Like she was in Valerian and Suicide Squad. Those are the only two movies that I know she was in. And in Suicide Squad, they were like, put on this bra and wave your arms like an inflatable car salesman robot thing. And that was her role. (laughs) Like, how do you turn that into being a good actress? That's fair. But she was bad in Valerian too. Not that that was great in any sense. Everyone was bad in Valerian. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the opening scene was so promising. It opens so strong with that montage of like time changing and different societies forming bonds and moving into the city together. Like that part was amazing. It felt like the best part of Star Trek, like just rolled into one scene. And I was like, oh my God, why do people hate this movie? And then the scene was over. And then you kept watching it. (laughs) No, yeah. And I definitely think the male lead in that movie was much worse than than oh, Cara Delevingne was. was. Mm-hmm. He was he was yeah. He was, was that creepy. Dane DeHaan? Uh, it was, and he is just kind of a creepy dude. Yeah, I feel like they didn't <laughs> never been they a made... Dane DeHaan and that's, man. Again, like I don't know, this might be an issue like female actors deal with. I feel like they were like she was supposed to be like the sexy woman that he wanted to be with, and I feel like that was just her role in the movie. You know. Yeah, and within the within the lore and the backstory of that universe, she's actually somebody from a, a very very long time ago. She's essentially somebody that the male lead uh, he like time traveled her to the future, then made somehow convinced her to be his you know work partner and possibly love interest. Oh, so she actually has like a really interesting backstory of being like the doe eyed. Oh my God, is this a transporter unit kind of perspective? Mm-hmm. And they got none of that in the movie. Again, it's. <laughs> You're attractive. I'm going to take you back. <laughs> yeah. Hop in my TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah. It's, I don't know. This movie set it up, taught us, hey, I'm not just that. I can, I'm, I'm strong, confident. Lucy Liu taught us that. Lucy Liu taught us we can be confident and strong and not just your from the past taken woman. Is that what you said? She's the past? Yeah, she's, she's a traveler from the past. I don't know the exact timeline, but how did you guys feel about the movie Rent? I've never seen Rent. Really? Like, That's a musical? Isn't it sad? Again, see, I base a lot of my movie decisions based on if it's going to be sad or not. The movie tries to be sad. I don't <laughs> think it's very sad. It's like about AIDS and stuff, right? Like you have like 
right? It's about AIDS without directly addressing the fact that it's about AIDS. It kind of skirts around the topic and dehumanizes AIDS victims. Oh. Yeah. And like one of the scenes in, in Rent is a, uh, a woman, I believe her name's Mimi. Yeah, no, her name is Mimi. I forget the guy that she's she's with, but both of these people in the movie have AIDS and they both like heroin. And, and the male part, the male guy in the scene is a is a recovering heroin addict. He's trying to get clean. And Mimi is trying to shoot up with him and share a needle in the scene. And the movie plays it off as her being the sympathetic person. Like the, they try to get the audience to side with Mimi. Like, oh, why won't this guy shoot up with you? And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Well, that's weird. Yeah, it's so weird. And then most of the movie, see, I hate Rent. I can I can rant about Rent forever. To set it up, make you think about Rent? Is that your second podcast, <laughs> Rent Rant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just every episode. The reason I brought up Rent is because Tay Diggs was on the Broadway musical when Rent rolled around, and he was also in the movie. He So in the movie, he plays the landlord, and most of the people in the movie Rent are these artists that think they should live rent-free in this swanky loft. Mm-hmm. And they think because they make art, they're like valuable to society, and they shouldn't have to pay bills. And the freaking landlord is just talking to them. He's like, you can get a good paying job. You can get the money to pay for this. This is how society works. But again, the movie tries to play him as the bad guy. The movie frames the artists as being the ones that the movie wants you to side with. And I'm like, no, screw off. Their art is shit. This doesn't make any sense. I get that. I think the, yeah, Tay Diggs is kind of in a, an authoritative role here too. So I can see. So this has been my podcast episode about Rent. It was a stealth episode. <laughs> Uh, not actually about set it up. I just talked about rent for 22 minutes. You were like, Oh, Tay Diggs in it. What a good segue. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, rent just makes my blood boil. But let me ask you this. How many minutes are in a year? Okay. So there's another thing about that, Dylan, you bring up something else that I hate. So in the Broadway musical, that song signifies an actual change in time because it comes after the intermission. No, it doesn't. It does. It really is supposed to signify a year. Yes. It's not just talking about how. It is It is a time split in the middle of the musical. So when people come back in and sit down, the actors are on the stage singing about the time split. And it's a very easy song so that the audience knows that they need to come back in and sit down. If they miss, you know, a, a few fucking numbers, nobody cares because it's not important. So it's a nice notifier to come in and sit down. But in the movie, it makes no sense at all. It literally makes no sense. And it's put in at the wrong spot. And Christopher Columbus is a terrible director. And this has been my 27th minute rant of rent. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never, I've never heard such passion in your voice. My goodness. Well, I guess, does Tay Diggs, do you feel better about him now that he's chosen a superior movie? Set it up? Yes, I definitely feel better about Tay Diggs. That's great. I think he was good at, did you like him in it? Him as like an actor? I thought he did well. He didn't do much in this movie and a lot of his jokes I could see coming around the corner. He was basically just an angry douchebag. And like when he was throwing stuff around his, his office and throw in breaking laptops, I was like, Oh, that's not his laptop. And he was like, Oh, bring me my laptop. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know the joke. I mean, yeah, I'll give you. But <laughs> I, I thought he played a pretty convincing asshole. Yeah, he was a good asshole. Like it, like a well-played one. That's fair. That doesn't make him likable. 
Well, but I his character wasn't supposed to be likable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I, what else has he been in besides Rent in Chicago? I, I don't really know much about his acting career. He was like a model, I think. I believe that. A male model. <laughs> in case you didn't know. Not one of those lady models. No, he didn't. He, didn't. Oh, he was in How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Oh, classic. I don't think I've seen that. I'm, I don't know if I've heard of that. It kind of oh. sounds like a car movie about a car <laughs> named Stella and how she like went and got maintenance and then she could she could operate well again. I think you've been watching that FDR movie too much because that's a weird thing to take from that title. <laughs> if I lend FDR to you, would you watch it? Yes, I would. Okay, it's so funny. I'll have to find a way to get it to you without catching the, the bird flu that's going around or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, we don't want this to age badly. So. <laughs> um, well, do you guys have anything else about Set It Up? Um, I just want people to watch rom-coms and appreciate them and... I know you and Dylan like a movie to end sadly, but I think you should be respectful towards those of us that don't want to cry at the end of a movie in sadness, and that's okay. You don't have to react with crying to a, a movie that doesn't have a fairy tale ending. I mean, yes, I do. <laughs> Tis, it's my way, and it's nice. It's nice to have non-tearful movies. I guess I did cry at the end of Rise of Skywalker, but only because it was so shitty. Oh my god. Ooh. That's a separate podcast. Wow. <laughs> Is it because you were sad that the Emperor died? Spoiler. <laughs> you can't say spoiler uh, afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was so sad that the Emperor died again after being brought back for 15 minutes somehow. It was so disheartening. Don't worry, he'll be back. <laughs> yeah. for you guys. <laughs> Alrighty, Carly. Alrighty, Dylan. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Yeah. Can I just ask one question? Would you watch another rom-com? Would you give another rom-com a chance? As as mentioned previously, we're watching Kate and Leopold for a future episode, so yes. Would you walk, watch one not for a podcast, for your own pleasure? Never. Ugh, not a chance. I, I'm too dead inside. I'll watch I'll watch all these movies twice for you, so that the rom-com industry knows that. I mean, I am interested in the Keanu Reeves one. Maybe we can set up another podcast and, and talk about that one to give me an excuse to watch it. There you go. I'm fine with that deal. Alrighty. Well, thanks for coming on folks. Thanks to any listeners that tuned in and listened to us talk about set it up. Uh, I believe we're going to be taking a week break here on May 25th. I'm just going to skip an episode and should be back June 1st. All right. Bye-bye everyone.